So I get to introduce, who's already up here, the amazing Russ Folklare. He's going to continue. Thank you. I, that was just so, I, when I heard about this a few days ago about Mercedes, I just thought it would be so important to share, to share, to share the good news. And people go through, you know, we go through ups and downs. And sometimes it's hard to keep hoping. So, uh, um, and also, by the way, I heard from Diane today that there was a, an angel in the prayer room. What was the name of the angel? The angel of breakthrough. I, I don't think there's a coincidence that we're sharing this testimony of Mercedes and then there's an angel of breakthrough here. So, so we just want to honor your, all, the, all the messengers that God sends. We welcome the angel of breakthrough here. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Wow. And everyone who's been longing for a breakthrough, whether health or finances or job or family, whatever it is, just extend your hand. Dreams that are needing a breakthrough. Wow. Hmm. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Father. And you are a good, good Father who gives good gifts. As Brent Bill was saying earlier, Father of lights. Let it be done on earth for this fellowship, for this ecclesia, as it is in heaven. As it's been ordained in heaven for each person, for each situation. Amen. So, how many of you heard last week's talk? It's okay if you didn't, but just give me a sense. Okay, maybe a third-ish. I'm so glad you're here this time. <laughs> and um, it's not, I think this is the first time I've ever gotten to preach twice in a row. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Speaking of lights, so Holy Spirit, I, I ask that you use this time to do what you want to do with each individual, whether it has to do with what I'm saying or not. <laughs> You, all, you do all things well, Holy Spirit. You do all things beautifully and in their time. Mm. 
This is part two of Stephen's God Adventure, welcoming Holy Spirit to fully access our heart. And, and Todd and the worship team, it was so much about giving God access to our heart and softening our hearts. And we didn't talk at all. <laughs> um, so grateful. And, and Todd and Karina have really spoken so much about praying and asking God to soften our hearts. And I've seen such a transformation as as you've been letting God do that. I just want to honor you both. And you've been really courageous with your hearts, and sometimes that's meant big risks with, with um, deep pains as well. But you keep going, and I so honor and love you guys. Yeah. And why wouldn't we want to give full access to Holy Spirit? I was in a restaurant this, this afternoon evening with Susan and a few other folks, and Susan felt the anointing fall while she was talking with the, uh, the chef. And she started asking her, well, is there anything we could pray for you about? And we just felt the, the anointing fall. It's so much more fun when we are giving Holy Spirit access. We get adventures. Get Holy Spirit anointing. Yeah. So we probably won't get through all my slides, but that's okay, because I really wanted this to be about what God was doing tonight. This is a, this is a story of a man named Brady. No, that's another story. <laughs> this is a story of Holy Spirit leading and empowering Stephen with... Miracles and signs of God's love and power. He was doing this just on a daily basis. And, and as in the last, as last, last time back at the ranch, uh, some of the Greek-speaking Jews, including the synagogue of the freedmen, freedmen were, were starting to dispute with him. And their problem was that he was winning all the arguments and he was also displaying God's glory and wonder. So they jumped up some charges and took him before the Sanhedrin. He was given great wisdom in answering the Greek-speaking Jews. And then when he was before the Sanhedrin, he trusted the Holy Spirit to to speak through him. And he spoke with great wisdom and power. And he declared to them that Jesus is the prophesied one and calling them essentially to repent, as well as giving an amazing synopsis of the story of the children of Abraham. It's also a story of God's chesed. You say chesed? <laughs> and if, if, you're, if you know your Hebrew well, it's more like chesed. <laughs> there you go. Which, is, which means loving kindness, enduring love, and, and enduring love is chesed for the children of, his, of Abraham. And even with their bent, as Stephen mentioned, talks about, towards being stiff-necked and even worshiping evil gods, he still holds out. And even for us, in our mistakes, he still holds that out to us. And I want to thank Stephen Carey for reading the scriptures for us today again. Yay, Stephen. And would you begin, kind sir, with the, with the first one? Yes. 
Oh, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in your heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. So Holy Spirit, through Stephen, was pointing out to them, this is towards the latter part of his speech to them, that, uh, that they were stiff-necked. And uh, stiff-necked, uncircumcised of heart, and resisting the Holy Spirit. And I think they're all, those are all connected. All those, those three phrases are really connected, aren't they? God has a word for taking glory and avoiding shame. I'm sorry. I'm probably too close to that speaker. Maybe if I move forward a little bit. The word is kase. Kase. Can you say that? Kase. It is translated stiff-necked, hard, cruel, severe, Obstinate, difficult, fierce, intense, vehement, stubborn, and rigorous of battle. Kashe is used across the Old Testament for anyone who will not feel shame or blush or bow down and say, that is my fault. In other words, own their issues and my problem. A kashe kind of person says, I am proud. I will look good. That's from a book called The Pandora Problem by James Wilder. And I'm going to be referring to that book less than I expected, but I'll be referring to it. (laughs) There's a picture of the book. The subtitle is Facing Narcissism in Leaders and Ourselves. And really, narcissism is a modern word for stiff-necked or cachet. And it's a very complicated, very difficult thing to deal with, it turns out. I'd like to read from the New Testament. Last week, we were mostly in the Old Testament. See that no one repays anyone for evil but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So those things that he's describing are kind of anti-cachet, right? (laughs) They're the other opposite direction. Be, Be good. Do not repay anyone evil good. Anyone with evil, but always to seek good. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ for you. Do not quench the spirit. 
Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. So, just as in the Old Testament, where God said, don't be stiff-necked and don't resist the Holy Spirit, we hear this in the New Testament as well. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit and do not be stiff-necked. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So there's a deep tie between Holy Spirit and loving kindness in chesed. Where Holy Spirit's influence is welcomed, chesed, loving kindness, secure emotional attachment, is nurtured and grows. Connection. But where the Holy Spirit's influence is resisted, quenched, grieved, then chesed is scarce. And winning, quote-unquote, runs the show. Have you ever been around people who just wanted to win at all costs? Most of us have worked with at least one of those folks. And Father God's heart for his children, when Holy Spirit's influence is resisted, to all love each other and thrive is not valued. Holy Spirit, we need you. We can't do this on our own. We need love and we need your leading us. Here is a slide from last week that caught some people's attentions. It's from someone who was on the, on the faculty for the Harvard Medical School. If you take loving kindness out of the human brain, there's not much left except a desire to win. Sounds pretty serious, huh? In other words, what what, motiv- what motivates us if we if we're not in connection with loving kindness? If we're not, if we don't have God's love flowing in us and through us? If if we don't have secure attachments? If we haven't experienced mercies? and see the value of giving mercies to other people. Stiff-necked and resistant to chesed-based shame. Shame? I talked about this last week. It's really interesting. I mostly thought that shame is a bad thing. How many of you have thought shame is a bad thing? And it is often a bad thing. Shame can be toxic a lot of times. Do you ever wonder why God gave us all these emotions? Like he's given us fear, disgust, anger, sadness, shame. Why? Well, there's, there's, actually, a, there's actually a healthy uh, purpose for shame. If we start feeling a little bit of shame when we're doing things that are causing disconnection to other people. 
Brenny Brown mentions that. How many of you have watched the uh, Power of Vulnerability TED Talk? Yeah, love that. She actually talks about that, that while shame can cause terrible disconnection for people, the inability to feel shame means that we miss the clues that we're, causing, that we're actually causing disconnection with other people. Does that make sense? And I mentioned last week, I really think that Holy Spirit was trying to give the Sanhedrin a, a healthy shame message. He wasn't doing that to tick them off. He wasn't doing that to, to uh, condemn them. I believe he was trying to encourage them to realize what they were doing and turn, turn back their hearts to God. Because the God I know is the one who's always calling people back. Yeah. A sensitivity to the Holy Spirit means we are sensitive to the life-giving corrections, the healthy shame messages, the conviction of God's Holy Spirit. Jesus said when, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will, he will convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But all, the, all those are good things. But there's a conviction that we need to help change our ways. A healthy shame message, a message from someone who carries loving kindness for us and calling us to recognize we are doing things that are causing relational disconnection or we're acting outside of what our group identity, our identity as God's people, is. And then to repent from those things. Yeah, if you're like me, some of you are going, I'm still not quite sure about the healthy shame message. And that's, that's okay. I'm just kind of planting a, planting a seed. Here's another quote from James Wilder. Shame is toxic when it aims to control rather than to restore honor. And most of the time, shame is not, it's not used to restore, is it? It's used to control, put down... Um, destroy people. But that doesn't mean there's, there, that God didn't intend a, a, a restorative pro- uh, property to it. So we're going to now hear from Stephen for the next section. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged. They ground their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So, my take is that the members of the Sanhedrin weren't handling Holy Spirit's loving shame message very well. <laughs> and, and his call to repent. They were enraged. When we're cautious, when we're playing according to our inner narcissist rules, 
We do all we can to avoid feeling shame. We harden our hearts and often attack. And some really interesting rules are, one of, one of the ways narcissists run is, is for them the best justification wins. So they're, and they, I should say, we too, because all of us have a bit of an inner narcissist, I would say. And so we're always looking to try and come up with the best justification. And I'll talk about that more in a moment. Another one is, I should not have to suffer. How much, how much of what we do is actually motivated by that, even, even as followers of Jesus? And weakness is bad. And I'm going to tell on myself. <laughs> Susan's going, hmm, this all sounds really familiar, Russ. Long time ago, thankfully, now, I looked good on the outside, Tried to be a, look like look like a good Christian, and many of you have heard this if you've been in this house for very long. But uh, I used uh, anger to try to control my family. I, in part of looking back, part of my motivation was I didn't want to look weak. So getting angry, rage, enraging if need, you know, kind of amping up until I got what I thought was needed, was my way of looking strong instead of looking weak. And it caused a lot of damage for Susan and our children. Um, so, and I did try and justify myself. Of course, I told, I made up, I made up stories that justified what I was doing. And I think, honestly, I was trying to avoid uh, suffering. I wanted, I wanted to have my way. I, I wanted to feel strong. I wanted to feel masculine. So. I was I had I was playing by those rules, and it's not a good thing to do. <laughs> it's a terrible thing to do and very destructive. But part of what you could, when part of restoration is you can you, you can when you acknowledge your part in things, when you stop justifying yourself, and you acknowledge it, then that actually starts the road to healing for relationships. So, <clears throat> self-justification. Self-justification refers to any tactic we use to keep from admitting wrong or taking blame. A narcissist is always doing something to self-justify. We believe justifying our actions is a good thing. Seems normal to us, most of us, doesn't, doesn't it? In fact, if you ever notice, if you go look at Yahoo News or Apple News or most, most uh, news online, there's an awful lot of people self-justifying. In fact, I'd say that's probably 70 to 80%. <laughs> have, you, have you noticed that? Yeah, we fall, so, fall into it so much. Um, before it gets too scary... <laughs> I want, to, I want to note that there's a difference between explaining and self-justifying. <coughs> Lucy got some explaining to do. No, not that kind of explaining. 
I, I once volunteered for a ministry that had this rule that you could never um, justify yourself. You could never excuse, make an excuse for yourself. You just, and that was partly because what the leader had gone through was really painful, and he believed that was something he, that was a character-building exercise. So he thought everybody should experience this too. Um, I found it very confusing and frustrating. And so I think this addition, additional understanding is really helpful. Explaining is done in order to feel satisfied that we, I'm sorry about the A there, that we have said what we needed to say for clarity. Does that make sense? You need to do that. We need to explain what, enough so that there's clarity. And that's worth doing, and that saves a lot of heartache instead of just saying, oh, no, I can't say anything to explain myself. The thing is that self-justification is always at the expense of another. That's one way you can tell it's self-justification. I'm going to zoom ahead um, real quickly. Self-justification, trusting our own judgment, sense of good and evil, and avoiding... Even hesitant-based shame all seem good to us. It seems normal. But they are all the fruit of what Paul calls the sarks, or the flesh. And they insulate us from Holy Spirit's leading and influences. So when we tell ourselves stories to self-justify, when we, when we think we know what's, what's, what's good and evil, when we aren't asking God about things, we're not asking God's input... And when we're resisting um, feeling any shame, even for things we, if we felt the shame, we could correct what we're doing and the disconnects we're causing. When we do all that, it, believe it or not, that actually makes it hard for us to, to hear Holy Spirit also. Does that make sense? These things are normal in the world, but they're the flesh. They're the, they're the sarks. They are in opposition to living life in the Spirit. And I'm going to skip ahead. Good stuff. You can read it. <laughs> you can read it later. <clears throat> and I, well, I also do want to talk about the, the Lord of glory. So Stephen beheld God's glory. Don't want to miss this. And as human beings, we all desire glory. We desire weightiness, we desire significance, we desire specialness. Don't we all? Yeah. Yeah. We, humans were born with a need for significance, as well as a need for safety and security. God created us to want to, to live in glory, to have glory, but not to steal his glory, right? We can, but we are called to, to be his glory as we are his sons and daughters. The people of other gods give themselves glory. People of the Lord of glory let his glory shine through our character. Both systems promise glory. One seeks glory by performance. The other finds glory through belonging. One of these is living by the flesh, by the sarks, the other is living by the Spirit. 
the two paths are in complete conflict. Okay, so we're going to read the um, third reading. Oh, but they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses lay down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Thank you, Stephen. That's such a powerful passage. We're grateful that Stephen had the chance to see the God of glory and Jesus standing at his right side and knew that what he was doing was important to them and they were going to welcome him soon. And we're going to hear shortly from Matthew to share an experience he had that helped him relate to what he thinks Stephen experienced. I do want to quickly point out that we notice this guy named Saul in this passage. We'll be hearing more about him. And in fact, we'll find out that Saul will be behaving in quite a stiff-necked, cachet kind of way. But then Saul will have a transformation. And like many transformations, true transformations of people who are hard-hearted and stiff-necked, it will include an encounter with the living God. Yeah. So stay tuned. We'll be talking... I'm sure there will be people talking about those passages in coming weeks. And now I'd like to invite Matthew forward. And we're going to go a little longer. So if, um, if those with children want to get their ch- children, you'll go check. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Karina. Thank you, Matthew. Please welcome Matthew. Thanks, Russ. Uh, so, I, yeah, uh, as Russ was talking about uh, Stephen, I was kind of recounting or remembering some stuff. But, um, but just to keep it brief, I went on a it's what's called a silent retreat, where you basically go on this retreat with other people, and there's no talking allowed. It's completely silent. And where I was, there's no cell phone reception. There's no Wi-Fi. And the whole purpose of this retreat is to be alone with the Lord with minimal distractions. So I did that for a week, realizing that my brain 
is going a thousand miles an hour and I don't know how to still my brain. It took me about two days probably to finally stop squirming and get my place, myself to a place of stillness where I, I started hearing the Lord. Um, um, but when you're able to get to that stillness, you there's this you just hear the Lord so much more clearly. I mean, um, it was in the lyrics that Todd was singing in one of the songs, like, that place of stillness is amazing because, like, all the things that you thought, like, oh, I don't hear the Lord well, like, I'm actually convinced now that every single person in this room can hear the Lord well. It's, it's not a matter of hearing, being able to hear him. It's a matter of getting to that place of stillness in your soul. But I won't get go too far with that. Um, so I, uh, one of the nights, um, as I was just, you know, spending time with Jesus and, um, and it, it, and he, he, he entered into the room so close and so strong and, and I, I, I felt love, like, I, I mean, and this is the same, because I've had encounters before, but this was different. This was like, like, he's literally joined with me. I don't know how to describe it, but um, I can tell you that in that moment, um, like, for some reason, I thought of Stephen, like, when he was being stoned. And I can tell you that if if that was what Stephen was experiencing and feeling during that time, I can see how he honestly wouldn't care that he's being stoned. Like, like, and that's just the honest truth. It's like, like if I were in Stephen's situation in that moment, I really wouldn't care. I'd just be so happy to be with the Lord. And um, and as you know. Russ was sharing too. I, I he started reminding me of like what I was feeling. I, I think it was like the Lord just trying to teach me something through what I was feeling. And I'm glad Russ was sharing because um, words are starting to come out for what I was feeling. And um, but when the Holy Spirit was, you know, I guess you could say in a way rebuking or or calling on the Sanhedrin to repent. I. Uh, his, it was out of a heart of love. It was out of a heart of, like, kind of like that, you know, that passage where Jesus says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've desired to gather you. Like a, a mother uh, uh, hen gathers her young. And um, I was feeling that. And that was the Holy Spirit reaching out to, what, then the words that Russ was saying, explain to them, this is what's going on. You notice how he didn't force himself on them, even to the point of allowing them to stone Stephen. And I actually felt like the love of God. It's Stephen was feeling love for them. That's why he was saying that. It was out of concern for them, out of uh, a desire for them to know the one that their heart longs for, to correct them. Um. But he, God still, he doesn't manipulate. So they stoned him. 
he could have very well come in glory and power. I've actually heard testimonies even in modern days, like where Heidi Baker was going to get shot by a bunch of Muslims, and the glory of God comes, and they all fall to their faces and repent. He could have done that in Stephen's case. But he didn't. And that says a lot about our God, about how he has no desire to force himself on them. And Stephen felt his love to such an extent that he's just like, Lord, I know you love them. Don't hold this in against them. I know that you would be justified if they did, but let not me be the one uh, to cause you to hold this in against them. But when you're when you're when you're there, when you get into that place of stillness with the Lord, there there really is nothing that will bother you. Um, and I think I'll I'll end with this point. But it's there's. Yeah, there's no, um, there's no guarantee, it, you know, in the Bible or in anything that God has ever said that we won't suffer, that we won't, uh, that we won't experience hardship at times. And, but I can tell you that what Jesus showed me is that what I, that moment encounter I had with Him, He absolutely desires, longs for all of us to experience that in our normal Christian life. It's not supposed to be the momentary thing that only some people have. He paid for it on the cross. That we would have that connection with him all 24-7, even when we're sleeping. So the bar is really high. And we haven't gotten there yet, but he paid for it. So it means we can have it. So I encourage you all to not just take this, oh, that's great that Matthew had that I wish I had. No, go after it. It's worth it. It's worth everything. It's worth you sacrificing everything. There's nothing more valuable than being with the Lord like that. And that's, yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to say about that. So. So Holy Spirit, I, we just ask you to come and grant us the grace to enter into that stillness, to hear your voice, so that every day is a step closer to our souls willingly going into divine union with you, God. The fullness of what you paid for on the cross. Everything you paid for, God, we want. We don't just want... um, 
what we think we can get, God. Just completely destroy our paradigm so that you can fill it with yours, God. Whoa. God, any bar that we've set, (laughs) we give you permission to lift that bar as high as it will go. (laughs) And Lord, give us the grace, God, when... When we start entering into that place, when we get closer, and I'm going to explain this, but when you get closer to the Lord, the stuff that isn't Him in your soul is going to get more and more highlighted. And you're not going to like it. But Lord, I pray that that our eyes would be fixed on you and God, that you would be our why. This is why we're suffering through this. This is why we're going through inner healing, to get rid of this because we don't want anything in between you and us, God. Anything. That is our motivation to get healed. Not so that we can feel uh, proud on our own two shoulders and, and be able to function and be independent and strong and dependent of you, God. But we want those things moved out of our lives so that we can have that union with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Matthew, for you and Todd and Bill and Karina and Mercedes and Gabe have all just spoken from deep places in your hearts tonight. I'm so grateful. I probably should have put this before Matthew because I'm not sure I should even talk anymore. Um, Jesus, but this is what Jesus said. Jesus, Jesus said, oops. Jesus said something that makes Christianity stand out from other religions, and that is that we're called to love our enemies. It's because we receive the loving kindness, that deep attachment, that 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 love that David said is better than life. In Matthew, it's born witness is better than life. Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who art in heaven, who is in heaven. And so, that's, talk about a high bar. That's, that is impossible without God's love in us. And yet you call us to that, Jesus. So help us to step out of our self-protective ways and into, into this, this, the flow of the river of life and love that you have for us. To reveal who you are and who the Father is to, to those who have hardened their hearts because they didn't know there was another way. Thank you that you've had mercy on us when we've hardened our hearts.
And you want us to show your mercy, your loving kindness, your steadfast love to those around us. Holy Spirit, this is my benediction prayer over all of us. Holy Spirit, strengthen our inner being so we can be so yielded to Abba's love for us and so Jesus' life can be revealed through us every day. May we hazard our enemies so they too are restored to Father God's family. I encourage you who are feeling connected with Holy Spirit, with Jesus, with Father, just just to stay there and enjoy and in that in that place of intimacy and connection and just let it go deeper. Amen. And parents, I encourage you to go and reconnect with your children. You can feel the Holy Spirit moving. for touching our innermost being. Holy Spirit. I feel it right in my, in my gut. You may be feeling Holy Spirit in other ways.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that your life, your powerful, swirling, flowing, multicolored, full of purpose and meaning and joy and peace is swallowing up every bit of death in each of us. Encourage each one of you as you, when you decide to get up, that you ask the Holy Spirit what what He's up to, what He's drawing you to, whether it's to pray for someone or be silent or to bless, and encourage someone. Like like Susan felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit when the chef came up to talk with us today. And it just opens things up. Keep on opening things up, Holy Spirit. Amen.